Hello, college football fans, and welcome to our special 50th episode of College Football Throwdown. I am your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined by my dad, Peter Schmitz, and a very special guest. Hey, hey, how are you doing today? And our special guest, AJ Schmitz. AJ is here. Hello, hello, everyone. That's right. We've got AJ Schmitz, uh, my dad's brother, my uncle. Uh, He was on a podcast from this past summer when he was in Traverse City. And so now he's back. You guys are uh, both going to the Nebraska-Purdue game this weekend. That's right. Go That's Big right. Red. So we, red. we are currently at Turkey Run State Park, uh, just south of the area of uh, West Lafayette in Lafayette, Indiana, uh, uh, just a few hours south of there, uh, enjoying a beautiful fire and a wonderful evening after a fine meal uh, brought to you by AJ with uh, um, you know traditional buffalo uh steak and uh, uh just wonderful wonderful food had some halibut last night from alaska that's where aj's from so it's uh it's been a nice week of meals sounds like it you're making me jealous just listening <laughs> that's the idea <laughs> there we go all right um so for this special 50th episode uh we're going to talk about some general college football stuff uh preview our thoughts on the uh potential playoff uh, picks for the committee uh, before next week when the first uh, rankings will officially come out, as well as getting AJ's opinion on all the Nebraska stuff that's been happening and new AD and all that stuff. Uh, But before we get into all that, I believe you two have some beverages for us. Yes, we do. We've been anxiously waiting, uh, having had made the mistake. One, two, three. All right. Having made this uh, of premature uh, re- uh, opening uh, in the past, <laughs> I, I wanted to make sure. So we were disciplining each other. It was amazing. The instinct was to just go ahead and open because we were both thirsty. Right. <laughs> All right. So um, as I said, we're going to dive into the week eight games. So the previous week's games uh, first, some of the big ones, uh, unlike yeah. week seven, which had a lot of um, big upsets amongst like uh, ranked teams playing unranked teams. This week was a little bit more, uh, calm in that regard, um, although some of the scores, I think, were kind of surprising. Um, I got the chance to be in a bar watching the end of the first half and the entirety of the second half of the Penn State-Michigan and the Notre Dame-USC games, uh, both of which ended up being pretty dominant victories. Yes, exactly. And particularly the um, the uh, Notre Dame-USC game was quite quite impressive in that uh, I mean that that very quickly went to 28 to nothing and was really a whitewash I mean uh, USC was never really in that game at all there was a point in time where after an initial flurry from Penn State Michigan came back and and got it close and it looked like it was going to be a a, you know nail biter but then in the the second half of course Penn State kind of you know um, pulled away again but uh but uh, those are two uh, big-time games for, you know, kind of defining the direction of a few teams, including USC. I mean, that's a team now that that uh, may still win the Pac-12. I don't think they're out of it, but but it's much 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 less likely uh, where they're headed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely impressive to watch, especially knowing that Nebraska's going to be playing Penn State here and. 
uh, a few weeks. Um, I'm, I'm worried about that game for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and definitely to see Notre Dame, you know, they lost early in the season, which had some people kind of wondering about their playoff chances, but they lost by one point to Georgia. And this upcoming week, they play uh, NC State, which is going to be another big game for them, another top 15 caliber team. Um, and so they have a chance to potentially uh, make a playoff bid if they go undefeated from here on out. Absolutely. They play Stanford later in the year, too, and that's a, another good quality opponent for them. And I feel like there's one more uh, beyond that, those two that as well. So, yeah, definitely if uh, an 11-1 Notre Dame team is, is going to find its way into the playoff, one way or t'other, I, I just think that's a fact. I believe it's Miami, I think, that they play as well. No, they already didn't. They already play them. Mm. I think they already played them. Oh, you might be right. Okay. And and they lost. They did they lose to them? No, they've only lost no, once. They only lost to Georgia. So they they beat Miami. I think they already beat Miami. Right. Yeah. So I guess you're right about that. So you, yeah, it's going to be interesting. We're getting to the playoff talk uh, next, but uh, another game that was interesting, um, relevant to Nebraska fans, is the. UCF Navy game where UCF won 31-21. Scott Frost pulling out another W. Yes, and so now he's still undefeated on his season. Did miss two games because of the Hurricanes earlier in the season, so his 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 season totals are a little skewed because of that. But but uh, definitely uh, puts him in a position. Uh, in fact, AJ and I were just talking about it, where he's got uh, you know if if he wins the games he should win. He's got one game against South Florida, which is a team that's ranked ahead of him. Uh, but um, uh, if he can find a way to win that one, then then they could find themselves undefeated. They might only be ten and zero, but they'd be undefeated at ten and zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that would be impressive for sure. Um, and then uh, as well, there was a, quite a shootout of a game with KSU versus Oklahoma. I was watching the highlights of that one, um, and that it looked like in the fourth quarter there that just kind of a back and forth. One scores a touchdown, another scores a touchdown. Interesting that K-State pushed Oklahoma that far. Absolutely, and and that's been that kind of can uh, Oklahoma's mo this year has been they have played to the level of their competition every time they've played. They they've played yeah. low to to uh, lower to a the K-State or even a, a Baylor who at this point is winless, I think. Uh, and they and they and they didn't beat Baylor all that badly, and yet they beat Ohio State and they rose to the occasion there. And uh, you know have really done a great job, other than their their one loss to Iowa State, which is inexplicable, but typical of Oklahoma in recent years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think that's a sign of a team with like a you know lots of talent, but maybe a lack of like that focus. Yes, I think that's true. I think that's true. Okay. Yeah, I think that. Oh, oh wow. Okay. So that's the week after next. Okay, so the Miami game hasn't happened yet with Notre Dame. You are ah, correct. Aha! Yep. There we go. <laughs> See, yeah. Wow, that'll be a that'll be a huge game. Yeah, huge game. Right now they're eight and nine. Yeah, and yeah well, Miami's ranked. Eight. Yeah, Miami's ranked <laughs> in the top ten right now too. So. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're ranked. They're ranked eight, and Notre Dame's ninth, or vice versa. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I mean, it's interesting. I think Notre Dame's strategy has been since they're independent to play a bunch of uh, difficult non-conference opponents so that they can make the case to the committee that their strength of schedule is really good um, 
for their chance to get into the playoff, which would have to involve uh, not including a conference champion. Right. That is correct. That's not new for Notre Dame, of course, but but right. yes, that, that's how it plays out in today's circumstance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so talking about the upcoming games, where I mentioned one, Notre Dame-NC State, that is going to be a big game for both of those teams for their divisions, yeah. their playoff hopes. Uh, but I would say, without a doubt, the perennial game, both for us as Big Ten fans and for the nation, is the Penn State-Ohio State game. Yes, I would agree. Um, which, yeah, that, that is huge. How, how do you see that one going, Alex? Wh- where is it? Is it at Ohio State? It is at Ohio State. Yeah. That is correct. Okay. In that case, I, mean, I would give Ohio State the edge. Um, honestly, when we we're, we're going to talk about our playoff thoughts here in a bit, right now I think uh, it's kind of a toss-up for me between Penn State and Ohio, Ohio State. I think it's going to be one of those two for sure in the Big Ten that comes out on top. Yeah, I would I would agree with you there, Alex. Uh, the, the, and, and you make a good pick in that – Ohio State at home certainly gives them a huge advantage, but they did lose to Oklahoma earlier in the year at home. Yeah. And so they obviously have, uh, you know, a weakness that they can be beat at home. Uh, it's not like that's a huge advantage for them. And Penn State is a very talented team and coming off of a tremendous, you know, uh, Baiting. a win. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so their confidence has got to be as high as, as a kite, you know, yeah. uh, going into that game. Uh, but, you know, Urban Meyer is a heck of a coach. And if I had to pit Urban Meyer against Penn State's coach, I'm choosing Urban Meyer every day and twice on Sunday. So uh, from that standpoint, I, I would tend to agree with you. I think the home field plus Urban Meyer this time of year um, and, uh, uh, and against the – but, boy, uh, you know, Barkley is such a difference maker that he might be the guy that just swings the pendulum, you know. So that's a tough one to call, but but I would agree with you. I'm I'm going Ohio State. How about you, AJ? I'm going the opposite way. I'm thinking Penn. I'm staking. I'm thinking Penn State, big, two touchdowns or more. Wow, wow. bold. Yes. Yeah, I think it's going to be big. I think Ohio State was, even though they kicked our tails, <laughs> uh, well, they are a team that that looked real poor against Oklahoma and Oklahoma is a good team, but they have been beaten and by Iowa state, by Iowa state, which looks pretty good. I mean, yeah. Iowa state played, played yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, but then again, this last week, uh, like um, uh, Pete was just talking about, sometimes they play down to their opponent a bit, uh, but they, when they had to go into, Columbus and play Ohio State, Oklahoma just kicked their tail. They did. And I think that Penn State's a whole lot better than Oklahoma, and I think that they're going to go in there and do the same thing Oklahoma did. Mm. And that's a two – they beat them by two, more than two scores, didn't they? Oklahoma? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Was, it was a very comfortable victory. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. And I think the same thing's going to happen with, with, uh, Interesting. with that. Yeah. Anyway, I, I've seen people though talking about how, like, with JT Barrett and uh, the team in general with Ohio State, that they've kind of grown since that early, early in the season, and now they seem to be in a bit of a groove. Um, now this is going to be a big testing point for them for sure. But Absolutely. given that and the home field advantage, I think I'm going to give it to Ohio State by yep. you know three points or something. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, <laughs> there that's we the got beauty it. of it. We that's, got that's good. It. I love it. That's, that's good. Yep. And 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 that's the thing is that 
you know, no matter what, that's the defining game in the oh, Big yeah. Ten. Whichever one of those teams wins that uh, yeah. is absolutely going to be the, the, the perceived front runner for the Big Ten championship from here on out. And now here's another thing. You know, we uh, I, I was able to um, uh, watch and, and gain some commentary from uh, ESPN did a one-hour special on the college football playoff a week before the first rankings came out. They just kind of had a one-hour roundtable with all their guys that they normally have, you know, on Saturday mornings and stuff, uh, talking about the, 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 the key pl- the teams and stuff in that ranking. Uh, and what was interesting to me was they did a huge uh, summary conversation at the very beginning of the, uh, of the of one-hour program about Wisconsin and how they were the poster child for somebody who didn't play anybody. And, and, and was sitting there in the top 10, but heretofore untested uh, and, and, and saying, what, what do you do if Wisconsin, who really does not play, they don't play Ohio State, they don't play Penn State, yeah. they only play Michigan. That's of the top three teams in the, in the Big Ten East that you would argue, um, they only play Michigan. And if they find a way to beat Michigan, then what do you do with Wisconsin? Because they could get themselves into the Big Ten championship undefeated, and and sitting fat high in the in the rankings, right? And and what happens then? You know, because does the does the committee freak out about uh, uh, an undefeated or even a one loss Wisconsin team that ends up winning the Big Ten conference somehow? They get to the the game in in Indianapolis and they win. Then what? Because they don't have the you know, gravitas in the other games to justify it. Hell, for that matter, Alabama is the same way. Alabama yeah, has so played far. nobody yeah. and, and, and probably won't most of the year because they avoid some of the, the teams that have shown themselves to be the best. I don't think they played Georgia um, unless they play them in the conference championship game. So there, there, there's some questions about that. You know, now obviously with Alabama, there's no question. They win the conference. They're getting in. There's no doubt. But with Wisconsin, there's some big questions. I, I think if Wisconsin was undefeated and they did it and they pulled the upset on either Ohio State or Penn State, uh, I think they'd have I, it would be very hard for them to refuse them if they're undefeated and a conference champion at that point in the season. If they have one loss and you have like Notre Dame who has one right. loss, there then, you go. Well, that, and, that's, and that's the point. You could have a one loss Oklahoma. Uh, uh, right now, TCU's undefeated. If they went undefeated and won the Big 12, I mean, there's some scenarios there. And, and, then, you, and then you've got out west, you've got uh, in the Pac-12, you've got a Washington team, you've got uh, Stanford, you've got, uh, I don't know, Stanford lost twice no, or not? So, they just only lost once. Yeah. So they've only got one loss. So there's some, there's some Pac-12 teams there that are in the mix. I mean, it, it could get really ugly where you have a bunch of one loss, including a one-loss Notre Dame, that would make that very, very interesting. Yeah. Well, I Clemson, want to... one loss. Right. Well, I, uh, yeah, Clemson's got the one loss. Uh, I wanted to bring that up just in terms of like going through, you know, the conferences and who we think is going to win the conference and, you know, where that leaves the playoff discussion. Um, because for me, the, the one that's the trickiest is the Pac-12 because you've got Washington, Stanford, and Washington State all with one loss right now. Um, So I would say that if anybody is going to be left out right now, it looks like it would maybe be the Pac-12. 
because um, uh, you've also got the Big 12, which is in a bit of a similar situation, but they've got TCU, who's currently undefeated. So if they can win out, then they'll probably get in. Yes, I would agree. TCU undefeated gets in, no doubt. Uh, but if TCU were to lose, and now you got a one-loss Oklahoma team, they get in because they, they, they beat Ohio State. Ohio State yeah. And that, that's going to bring a lot of weight. Um, so I think, I think that works. But if somewhere along the way Oklahoma were to lose again, like they almost did against Kansas State, and they fall away from the, the discussion, then, then the whole kit and caboodle rides on TCU. TCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I could see the Big 12 falling out of it if, if Oklahoma uh, lost one more time and they still have to play Oklahoma State. They have some games they still have to play. They have to play TCU, uh, right? No, actually, uh, TCU – well, sorry, TCU beat Oklahoma State already. TCU's big game – But not Oklahoma. Right. They have to play at Oklahoma. That's their big game near the end yeah. of the year. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's say Oklahoma loses to somebody else, then 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 plays TCU and beats them. Now you got a two-loss Oklahoma team that can't be in, and then you got a one-loss TCU team that lost in their big game. Yeah. And 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 then you have then they play again because now this year they have a conference championship game. Right. Even though they only have ten teams, right. so now TCU and Oklahoma play again. And that's just I mean I I think I think they could screw themselves because they could take that TCU team and end up giving them two losses, and and yeah, and, and, and 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 you're not going to get any credit for Oklahoma to beat TCU twice. I mean, I could see that blowing up their face, and and the Big Twelve is left out again. <laughs> yeah, well, I I honestly didn't know that they had added a championship game until I was doing the research for this episode, um, which I yeah. think is personally I think is smart, not only because it's a conference championship game is just cool in general as a fan, uh, but then also for obviously for the playoff chances, you know, they've gotten screwed the past couple of years uh, partially because they didn't have that game. Um, but like you say, there's there's a scenario where it could backfire on them as well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. But anyway, and but you're right. I think after that, uh, then the Pac-12 is another one that is on that edge as well, because uh, they they have a bunch of one-loss teams that could one more loss and they're out. You know. I could certainly see where uh, two Big Ten teams could get in there, which has happened in the past. That has I could see Penn, I could see Penn State and Wisconsin both getting in. Hmm. If Wisconsin beats Penn State, yeah, and and it's thirteen and zero, Wisconsin's in. Right. How do you take a a, a twelve and one uh, right. Penn State team and not put them in? Like what was it two right. years ago or was it three years Ohio ago? Ohio State. When Ohio State and um, uh, was it Wisconsin? Michigan State? Michigan State. Yeah. Were both in? Was right. that three years ago? I want to say right. it was. Right. It was the year we beat them, so it was only right. two years two ago. Years yeah, it was two, two years, years ago. ago. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then last year, Ohio State got in over Penn State, and then right. people kind of said afterwards that maybe Penn State was the better team, and they should have yeah. gotten in. Right. Well, they should have, didn't they? Win the, no. the conference championship. They did win the conference championship, but they got their ass kicked in the Rose Bowl. Not ass kicked. That's a miss. That's a, in, in a inaccurate. They lost in the Rose Bowl then to USC. In a shootout where it was just back right. and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Right. Uh, one of those crazy yeah. games. But, but yeah. So, yeah, there, there's some really interesting scenarios that, that still are, are there that, to play yeah. out. That'll, that'll make college football interesting, certainly, yeah. in the, in the coming the next weeks. Month. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. Well, so I want to go over real quick. Let's all give our predictions on 
conference champion of the five conferences and then where you think uh, Notre Dame is going to be at the end of the year and what what the committee decides. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say Alabama for the SEC, Clemson yep. for ACC. Since I'm predicting Ohio State's going to beat Penn State, I'm going to say Ohio State for the Big Ten. I'll say TCU for uh, Big 12 undefeated, that they beat Oklahoma and they win the rest of their games. And then a one-loss Washington out of the Pac-12 and a one-loss Notre Dame. I don't I was saying that I haven't done the research that there might yeah, be like, scheduling so, con- schedules like, conflicting uh, there. <laughs> that, uh, you're going out on a limb there, buddy. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like, Mr. Mr. Conservative, you're like, a genius. <laughs> like I say, there might be some schedules converging there that make that impossible, but I think that would could all work out. In which case, I think that the uh, a one-loss Washington in the Pac-12 uh, might get it's left out. Um, and right. then, but that's just one team. Then you've still got Clemson, Alabama, OSU, TCU, and Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, but if TCU is undefeated, I feel like you can't leave them out. Which no. in that case, I think Notre Dame would have to be left out. And that's no, no, I, I don't. I, that doesn't happen. No, no way. I, okay. I, I, uh, let me give you mine, and but then I'm I'm going to argue about yours. Here, here's the Notre Dame can't be left out at eleven one if they've beaten. Stanford, USC, they lost to Georgia by one. They uh, beat NC State. Uh, they would have. They would have beaten NC State. They would have beaten um, Michigan State, who's now ranked 16th. Uh, they. They. Uh, th- there's just no way you're 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 keeping Notre Dame out at 11 and one. There's no way. So so you're now looking at at excluding TCU or frankly excluding Ohio State. Uh, or Clemson, Clemson's the one that lost to an unranked Syracuse, okay? So even though they win the, the ACC, you lost to Syracuse, who's unranked, okay? So that, that becomes huge, in my opinion. And, and I think maybe Clemson gets kept out. The national champion, I, I, I know that's hard to fathom, but there you go. That's that's what I'm suggesting. I think uh, here's my picks. I actually think Miami is going to end up winning the ACC. I'm predicting Miami as a little bit of an upset to win the ACC. I agree with you that I I think Ohio State wins this Big 12 championship game. I mean, uh, 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 excuse me, this this game this weekend against Penn State, and then goes on to win the Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin. So I think Ohio State uh, wins out and goes to the uh, the playoff as well. Okay. I think because Miami's undefeated, um, um, they, they are the representative of the, of the ACC. And if Miami is undefeated, um, that means they beat Notre Dame. So Notre Dame's out. So then, um, um, and then, and then you got TCU uh, versus Oklahoma and boy, that's the hardest one for me. The hardest one for me to figure out is the Big 12. And because I just, I've seen TCU a little bit. I haven't seen them enough. But I, I just don't perceive them to be an undefeated team. And so I predict TCU gets beat either at Oklahoma when they play or uh, in the Big 12 championship game. And it ends up being an Oklahoma, one loss Oklahoma that ends up uh, representing uh, the conference as their champion, okay, and in the in the conference uh, in the playoff. 
So that, oh, there's Oklahoma, and then and then Ohio State, and then Alabama, and then Miami. And like you, Washington ends up winning the Pac-12, but kept, but is left out. Right, but so, but you just described TCU losing to Oklahoma in the championship game, right? No, no, no. TCU losing to Oklahoma uh, in the regular season, and then Oklahoma beating them in the rematch of the conference championship. Okay, because they're going to play twice in my scenario. Because I, I, unless Oklahoma loses again, I think Oklahoma end up being designated as the second best team after that season's over, and then they play each other. Right. I think I think that's how it would work. Yeah, makes sense. Although, no, no, it wouldn't work that way. I, I, I'm wrong, because their other loss is in conference against Iowa State, so they wouldn't get to play them again. It would be Oklahoma State against TCU. Okay, I'm going to change. I'm going to uh, uh, I'm, <laughs> now after figuring that out, it's got to be TCU. It's got TCU's my 14. All right, there we go. They they won't see Oklahoma twice. If they beat Oklahoma at Oklahoma, they won't see them a second time. Right. Good point. Uh, AJ, what is your thoughts on this? Well, I want to go over the uh, the ACC quickly first. And Miami's still got to play Virginia Tech, who's the 13th ranked team in the nation at this point also. So I think the chances of Miami uh, going winning undefeated. out, uh, going undefeated, is not really there. I'm going to go Clemson with that. Um, in the Big Ten, Penn State. In, uh, in the Big 12, I don't think it matters. <laughs> the uh, Out there on the West Coast, Washington, I think, is going to be the Pac-12. Pac uh, let's see. Alabama. What, oh, and then Alabama, of course. Right. But uh, that's it. I, I just, Notre I Dame? Don't, uh, Notre Dame, nothing. Now, I, I predict they'll lose every of their last four games. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough, but... Even with the Big Twelve, even if TCU is undefeated, you think that they get they won't get in over a one loss Washington. I, I don't I don't see them beating Oklahoma. Okay. Whether they play them once or twice or however many times, they're not going to beat Oklahoma. Interesting. Okay. So uh, therefore, that takes them out, and, and Oklahoma's big, already yeah. The yeah, Big Twelve is going to be out again, even though they're going to play a championship game. I don't see so them. your four teams. My four teams would be Alabama, Clemson. Uh, Washington Penn and Penn State. State. Uh-huh. Got it. Pretty similar to last year, yeah. except for Penn State. Yeah. 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 Much. Exactly Penn State, the same. Yeah, it is exactly the same. <laughs> except for Penn State. Yeah, and it should have been, for, in my opinion, it should have been year. Penn State last year. I, that's what I believe. Mm-hmm. There we go. All right. So that was fun. Now I think we're going to transition into the Nebraska side of this 50th episode podcast. Um, okay. Uh, I, I believe we discussed um, on a previous podcast that podcast from the summer where uh, we were talking and we all had our predictions for the season and dad and I were on the optimistic side of like nine, eight wins. And I think AJ, you said like five and seven and we said, Oh, I think he's, he's looking on track. Um, so now that we're here at uh, week eight of the season, how do you feel about uh, your prediction? Right on schedule. Well, it, it looks to be right on schedule, <laughs> but I, I got to tell you that that I'm revi- I'd like to revise that and actually increase it by a game, but I still think the overall feeling that I had going into this season, and I've actually had for two years, 
is that this staff is not going to get it done and can't get it done. Uh, but I got a good feeling. I, this is a game this weekend that I thought that they were going to lose. And now I have a different opinion of that. And it's probably just because I'm going to the game. But I've got a, a few stats here that I'd like to go over with you at some point. Uh, Now's that time, right? After all right. Alex? We'll go over that. Yes, okay. do it. I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking uh, there are uh, some stats that I that I'd like to throw out there. You know, we've had uh, Penn State and us have had two common opponents, of course, Rutgers and and uh, do you and mean West Purdue? Uh, yeah, Purdue, Purdue and uh, and us have the same uh, common opponents, Wisconsin and Rutgers. And in the, the Rutgers game, of course, we beat Rutgers and they lost to Rutgers. That's the only real uh, stat in that one. The rest of that, the, the actual stats themselves, uh, Penn, uh, Purdue did a good job of moving the ball, as you saw, all, all game long in that game. They had almost 200 yards of passing, which is pretty good um, in the Rutgers game and almost 300 yards of rushing the ball, whereas we didn't do, we didn't fare anywhere near as well as that, but we still won by 10 points, and they got beat by two. Their, their, uh, their quarterbacks just seemed to be out of kilter throughout the game, and they didn't complete uh, but um, 50%, just slightly more than 50% of their passes, and I think that them and they threw a couple of interceptions, which is a which were big in that game. They were about ready to score both of those times, and then they throw up the, the interceptions. But that I just think that with that that the uh, the Purdue um, uh, versus us on that, it's kind of a wash because they really piled up the yardage. We didn't. We won the game. They didn't. But what really comes out to me is the the uh, what we did against Wisconsin and what they did against Wisconsin. It was quite a bit different. Um, they were only 45% in their passing, 13 for 29, for only 155 yards against Wisconsin. Uh, and they threw zero TDs and one interception. They rushed the ball 26 times in that game and only got 66 yards. So they had a total of, you know, uh, 221 yards of total offense uh, against Wisconsin, whereas uh, we were 19 of 35 in that game, and that was just two games ago for us. Uh, Lee was 19 of 35, which is 54%, one touchdown, one interception for 271 yards, which is a darn good day. I mean, overall, that's a pretty good day. We got our asses handed to us, but it had it had nothing to do with the offense, I don't think, for most of that. Another thing to consider in that is the last quarter and a half, our offense really didn't do much in that particular game, and our defense really took it on the chin. But we also rushed 26 times, which is the exact same number that, that Purdue. Purdue ran against them. We rushed uh, 26 times against Wisconsin, and we got 110 yards. That isn't great, but it's a whole lot more than 66. Okay, the, the last uh, little bit of stat that I'd like to bring up is out of the last two games, Tanner Lee has begun to – uh, come out of this throwing interceptions like crazy phase that he was going into the previous four or five games. Against Ohio State, he was 23 of 38, which is 60%. Right. He hadn't done that. And 60% isn't great, but against a good defense like he was playing against, that's pretty decent. And he threw for 303 yards. Two TDs, 
no interceptions. There's the key right there. No interceptions. So overall, um, you know, the way that Tanner's headed in the right direction, I'm thinking that the offense will be too much for a improving Purdue defense, but I don't think that they've, they've uh, played against uh, an offense that, that can throw the ball around like we can. And uh, I'm just thinking that, that Tanner's just coming into his own at this point. And I think he's going to put some points up on the board. I think that we can rush against them uh, when, and it seemed like the offensive line is just finally starting to get some rushing yards going. They didn't uh, do all that well against um, Ohio, State. Ohio State, but they did okay against uh, against uh, Wisconsin, which was real real good, and they did well against, uh, of course, against our other common opponent, Rutgers. So, if our defense can play anything at all, I mean, if they can play anything at all, like they did against Rutgers or against Illinois, I think that. We win this game. Well, and I, I think we have four players who have starting experience this season that were have been injured over the last few weeks that are all coming back this week. Yeah, yeah. So Kalu, because of the yes. because of the week off, we're coming into this game against Purdue healthier than we've been in three or four weeks. Yeah, easily, easily. Yeah, when you get Kalu is going to be back for the as, well, at safety, which is and Morgan on offense and and. Uh, uh, Morgan Stanley, mm-hmm. yeah, is going to be back. Okay, so we're talking about you know these guys are getting healthy. I just if they come with any kind of pulse, passion. Yeah. If they come with any kind of pulse, I see Nebraska winning this game outright. And uh, and I told Pete earlier that if I had a bookie, I'd be betting on them because I'll take that six and a half points. They want to give it to me. That's right. They're six and a half point favorites right now, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. yeah. Right. Maybe yeah. we'll have to find that bookie. <laughs> there you go. Oh, don't, don't get too confident now. <laughs> but, what do you but, think all that crazy talk from your Uncle AJ? No, no. Well, I, I love all the stats you gave, and uh, I remember us talking about those on the podcast. You know, obviously with the Ohio State game, some of those yards that he was getting in the second half came when they weren't, you know, they were already up by 42 points or whatever right. it was. Right. So they weren't playing their top defense there. A little more prevent. Um, but in the Wisconsin game you know that's what's frustrating about it, is that in the first half we were the better team honestly if, yes. if, if we didn't have that interception there you know that was so right. bad um we get another touchdown there we had the missed field goal you know uh we were doing pretty well in the first half all things considered right um and uh so i agree that we definitely have the capability on offense um my wonder would be if you know diacos as dad puts it bend but don't break defense is going to be enough okay. to stop them on offense if they've got something clicking. Well, I, I, I uh, maybe I'm being influenced by AJ, but given all of AJ's information that he's just shared, um, and, and he and I have had some conversations since he's been here in the campground with us, but uh, I would agree that I think the combination of us getting healthy and, and having two weeks to prepare has given a, a, another opportunity. I have a feeling you're going to see a more aggressive defense from Nebraska this week than what we've seen from Diaco. Because I think he, he recognized, in fact, A.J. was just quoting a, uh, um, you know, this um, grandiose comment that Diaco had in a recent uh, post-practice uh, you know, uh, media event 
where he basically said, I want to, I want to have the best defense in the country. We want to be the best. That's our plan, our expectation. That's where we're headed. And, and, you know, that seems absurd for somebody who just gave up freaking 60 points, you know, <laughs> yeah. to, to Ohio state or whatever. Or could right. have. Uh, but the bottom line is if Diaco takes that to heart and, and chooses just to just be a little bit more aggressive with his mentality, I think he's got the players to do it. And, and if he did that, I think it would translate to really desirable results for us. So I, I'm going to be optimistic like AJ and say in this week against this team, Purdue, at this time, given our circumstance, we should win. we are going to win the we're going to win the game. And I think our defense is going to play unusually well compared to the way it's looked this season, because I think Diaco is going to be more aggressive. If Diaco is not more aggressive and continues to play this patty cake shit, then we we won't do well, and and I'll and and I'll be on board to see this whole group go away. One one more thing that I just remembered that I forgot to bring up when I was talking about that stuff earlier is Chris Jones is listed as uh, the number one corner again at uh, really yes at the boundary corner. And I he's been injured all year. He's yeah. not played for us all season. Well, he played uh, he played in the Ohio State game, but he didn't start. Oh, now really? he's going to be the starter. Oh wow! And he is I'm a guy that has starter. has true NFL talent. He might he's not a first rounder or anything like that, but he is an NFL guy. And I think that this last two uh, weeks, the little bit of time that he got in the Ohio State game, and I think he may even have played a little bit in the in like eight to ten plays in the Wisconsin game. And having this this uh, bye week, two weeks to to uh, come around, I think he's going to be a, a difference maker in this game also, well, which really me... really brings up the 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 more aggressive stuff that Pete was talking about. He right. can be a lot more aggressive with a true corner on the field because at this point he's been covering up with the uh, for the corners with the safeties. But unfortunately, all of our safeties were getting hurt. hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. Well, uh, AJ, uh, on the last podcast, Dan and I had our predictions. I predicted a Nebraska victory of 28-27. Dad predicted a Nebraska loss of 21-35. So what is your prediction for the Purdue game? I would say, oh, gosh, 31-24 to 24 us. All right. I like it. Uh, okay, now can I can I amend mine now? You, you can amend yours, but if I'm right, you still lose the bet. Okay, I'm good with you. That's I'm good, good with that. Good. But I, I actually want to swing mine in favor of the Huskers now too, and, and I would say uh, about the same score as AJ too. Actually, uh, about 31-24, something like that is what I think we're going to end up. And I and I think one of those is going to be a trash touchdown by Purdue, maybe late in the game. So it'll it'll actually be a 31-17, and then they'll score late to make it 31-24. All right, very good, very good. Like to see this optimism. Um, this is reminding me of uh, Tommy Frazier actually has a a podcast that I've started listening to, um, and I thought it was interesting on one of the 
you know, they were talking about like the negativity around the program right now and firing uh, Mike Riley and all that stuff. And he was making the point like, okay, you look at our schedule, you know, in terms of where we were at the beginning of the season, did you think we were going to beat Oregon? Well, Oregon was a, you know, probable loss. You know, do you think we we're going to beat Wisconsin? Do you think we we're going to beat Ohio State? You know, well, no, no. You know, so really the Northern Illinois loss is unacceptable. Um, but that's really the only thing that's gone off the you know, prediction, the standard prediction of this year. Um, now, obviously, well, but, the well fa- but for me, for me, I, I genuinely thought we were going to beat Wisconsin. I did. I thought we were the better team than Wisconsin. If you look at the recruiting rankings over recent years, if you look at, at the, the kind of talent that we had and the presumed effectiveness that we were going to get this year with our new quarterback, uh, who was more in line with the talent, skills, et cetera, that Mike Riley and and um, uh, Langsdorf wanted, uh, my expectation going into the season was that we were going to be more effective offensively. Now, I will concede that what happened to us at Wisconsin with our defense basically laying down and getting its ass kicked was something that I did not expect and, and wouldn't have anticipated. But like you said, if we're just a little bit more effective offensively in that first half, we're ahead by ten, maybe maybe more points in the in the Wisconsin game, and they're not running the football. They're not lining up and smashing us because they're instead trying to throw the football to to catch up, and and as a result, they're playing into our hands a little bit more, and they never discover that they can just kick our ass by lining up and smashing the ball twenty six times out of thirty, you know, which is what they did. Right, right, and so transitioning into that. Um... Uh, this is mostly to AJ since uh, Dad and I talked about this last week. Um, what are your kind of thoughts on the season as it stands right now? Uh, Mike Riley's job security and uh, Bill Moose as the new AD. The the, the season uh, I think is going like I, I I thought it would, and you know I think at this point they they may end up six and six, but. Uh, that's not going to be enough. I, I, I hope it's not enough to save his job because, I, you know, I, I've talked to your, your dad about this in the past, and I, I don't think I mentioned it this summer when we spoke on the podcast before, Alex, but I, I from the get-go, I wasn't enamored with this uh, Mike Riley. I like him as a man. I mean, everybody is. How do you not like a guy like that? But as a coach... He's just not, he's never really been there at all. And from the beginning, I wasn't crazy about the hire. But when he lost to Illinois, no, to Illinois two years ago, I was there. That was a horrible, horrible loss. Now, that was his, to, to where everybody is freaking out about the Northern Illinois this year. That's where I was with the Illinois loss two years ago. And I thought he should have been fired then, right after that game. And I believe that ever since that the guy ha- doesn't have the ability to to coach it at, at a place like Nebraska. He doesn't know what the expectations are. He must not because he's definitely not delivering in any way, shape, or form. Now, as far as uh, moves coming in, I think you know when it was all said and done, and I started reading about this guy and his past and everything. It sounds like that every program he's been associated with. He's done really big positive things for him, so I'm hopeful that that he can do. He couldn't do anywhere near as bad as what Icorse uh, did. I mean that that guy was that was terrible from the get go. That whole thing that was just as bad as hiring Mike Riley. It was done 
without the the backing and without the people uh, that they needed to speak to. They never even spoke to Tom Osborne about hiring this guy. I mean, how in the heck do you do that? You're you're acting you're your AD you're 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 in-house AD and you don't even uh, like bother it. to. You don't even bother to ask him about what his opinion is on the next guy coming in to do that job. It was just, it was a little bit crazy for that to happen. But I, this guy looks like that he could be, uh, he could be a real positive thing in the future. So Riley's gone. Moose, I think, will be okay. Um, I'm not sure who the coach is going to be. I'm thinking it's going to be Scott Frost, and and I'm kind of hoping for that, even though I've got a little reservation about him. Or with somebody like Chip Kelly, like your dad has talked about in the past, but I think him coming to Lincoln's a, a long shot. But if it isn't if it isn't Frost, then I think somebody like Kelly uh, would be would be okay in my book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had mentioned to me before, Dad, that you'd received some information that Chip Kelly almost certainly won't be coming to Nebraska. That that is correct, uh, and I still stand by that. Now, uh, now my 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 more recent thoughts are. Um, less miles, oh, yeah. uh, being he a consideration, uh, because yeah. his son is a redshirt freshman on the team, uh, and uh, you know he's a guy that obviously has reputation and history, uh, has shown he can be a recruiter, he can build build a program, a division at a power five program, et cetera, et cetera. And frankly, I, I think he, in the right set of circumstances with the right money, would absolutely be interested in the Nebraska program to get himself back in the mix. Um, and could do some incredible things for us. Um, and there's a few others too. Uh, but if Scott Frost continues to do what he's doing, I think there's going to be an enormous amount of momentum uh, for us to at least pursue Scott. Now, Scott may in fact say, no, I want to stay and see what I can do at my current role at UCF. Or he may say, I- I- I'm going to take the Tennessee job, for example, that's likely to come open, or maybe the A&M job, I don't know, although that guy seems to have stabilized his his situation in A&M a little bit. And UCLA also. Yeah, UCLA safe stabilized, yeah. too, because yeah. they're doing, they, they won a big game this past yeah. weekend, and I have a feeling he's safe. So that's good news for us. Uh, frankly, yeah. I, want, I want all these other borderline coaches to, to become safe. I want them to do well so that they become safe. So the only two uh, that we're probably looking at is t- Tennessee and us. And then, and then we have a much better shot of eventually landing a pretty damn good coach. I could see Les Miles also being very interested in the Tennessee job. Right. Back in the SEC again. Right. I think I saw something about um, it was an SB Nation article on like Nebraska versus Tennessee in terms of like you know if, if you're a, if you're Scott Frost if you're a coach who could potentially get either job um, and. The downsides for Nebraska are obvious that the recruiting is going to be a lot harder and all that stuff. Uh, But with Tennessee, they brought up the fact that you're going to have to play a much harder schedule, you know, against all these tough teams in the SEC, whereas we have the weaker side of the Big Ten conference. Um, So there might be more potential for success in that regard, as well as, um, you know, the the devotion of – I think there's great truth in that. I mean, if you look, if you look, uh, going back to the Bo Pelini time frame, uh, uh, that the you know the talent that Bo Pelini inherited when he first started, well, uh, that was good. Yeah. Okay, and 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 if you had a decent coach, okay, a, a guy who really knew what they were doing and could recruit, 
uh, during that whole time frame. Yep. So, uh, you know, there's no reason why we shouldn't already be on our trajectory upward again. Maybe not cha national championship, but certainly um, conference championship discussion consistently. So uh, that's the thing that's frustrating for us as Nebraska fans is to is to recognize that all the things are there for us to be successful. We just need that person that can recruit reasonably well and then use the talent. We have misused our talent through most of the Bo Pelini and all of the Mike Riley era in such a way that we've underperformed as a program. And that's what's got Nebraska fans so frustrated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, uh, on the, I believe it was in the summer podcast where we were talking about, you know, uh, me being a, a younger guy growing up in this era of, you know, mediocrity of rebuilding for Nebraska, you know, never seeing the championship days of old, as it were. Um, but in those early years of Bo Pelini, when we had Indomitian Sue and we legitimately had like one of the best defenses in the entire country, we could have we could have won that Big 12 championship game. We could have been, you know, uh, a, a top 10 caliber team if we just had any kind of an offense. Uh, right. I, yeah. We had we had no semblance of any kind of offense. Nothing. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. it was completely vacant. Yeah. So and, and that's yeah. the point is that it, just a little bit of of total collective capability for the offense defense program. And we have great uh, far greater success in those years. Absolutely true. Yep. Um, I totally agree. Yeah. All right. Well, yes. is, is is there any other uh, topic you guys want to bring up well, here? So, so that yeah. So the question is, is that you know, um, you know, if if we end up six and six like AJ's projecting, and you know, he's our expert projector because he's <laughs> the one that actually is even close to where we're likely to end up. Um, so, so if you if you, if I'm that, hope I'm to, wrong. Just to, don't to, put to, it that way. To put it this way, I think it's going to be uh, really difficult for uh, uh, the new athletic director to fire a seven and six uh, bowl winning yeah. coach yeah. Um, at this point, they're going to give him another year. They have to, they just have to. Alex, did you see, uh, did you see any of the articles about Moose and how he handled the, the mad pirate out there at Washington state and how, uh, you know, the first three years that he was out there, they were losing like crazy, but he hung in there with him, and now right. it's paying huge dividends. Right. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I, I totally believe that. Was was the Washington State guy, though, was it his guy that he hired? Yes. 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 The Moose, Moose uh, hired uh, Leach, uh, and he stuck with him through three really horrible years. And, and, and he hired Leach when Leach left college football uh, a, year, a, a year or two prior to that in kind of a, a muddy mess yeah. out of te uh, Texas Tech in which he, you know, got got fired and, and was departing because of supposedly mistreatment of players and all this kind of crap, which if you knew the circumstances, you kind of understood that it, it really wasn't necessarily no. his fault, but, but it sure sounded bad yeah, on the surface. It, so obviously Moose saw through the media coverage and recognized that this guy had really done some amazing things. And, and then and then hired him, you know. So so he looked beyond the headlines, so to speak, which is a good sign. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I I just uh, and obviously like we we talked about this before on last week's podcast. You know, if Mike Riley found it in him in him to pull out like this even or a seven and five victory or like you say a seven and 
uh, six victory, you know, uh, through the with rest a, of the with se- a bowl win, right? Yeah. With a bowl win in the rest of the season, it would be eight and five, or yeah, eight and five if he uh, didn't lose to anybody except Penn State from here on out. Um, you know, th- then it be- definitely becomes trickier. But at the same time, I feel like with the pressure of you know Scott Frost, like especially if Scott Frost keeps winning, um, you know, this idea that we're gonna go through a year next year where we play a very difficult schedule and we're going to have, you know, middling short-term coach Mike Riley here versus this, you know, potentially bright future of this young and up-and-coming coach. Like, it's going to be an interesting thing to weigh on people's minds. Right. Of course, the only one that matters is Bill Moose, (laughs) right? I mean, that's the guy that needs to make that decision. But you're absolutely right. I mean, if I'm him... He has a troubling decision to say, do I stick with this guy who's maybe moderated the team a little bit late in the year, which is kind of Mike Riley's M.O. He starts slow and then he stabilizes the team and his stabilizing influence ends up leading them to, you know, because they learn that they have to do it on their own. But 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 they end up six and six. Okay, then they go to a moderate bowl game and they win. Now they're seven and six. Can't fire the guy for that. But but can you or do you do you fire him now because you have Scott Frost available and that's your window? You got to go after him. Uh, Or do you accept that? You know what? We're going to give Mike Riley another year. We're going to let him go through the gauntlet that is our schedule next year, knowing that Scott Frost stays at UCF for one more year. And then after one more year and we get our asses handed to us all through next year. Jesus. And and, and then (laughs) and then you hire Scott Frost. Oh, or man. do you have to worry about a Tennessee program coming in and knocking on Scott Frost's door and saying, "Hey, I got we got dollars. yeah, I, I got well, I got five million dollars maybe ready to hand to you, uh, and you and you can have one of the premier programs in the history of the SEC right now. Yeah. It's yours, right? In the middle of recruiting country, Tennessee, Alabama. I mean, that's a yeah. that's a heartbed of recruiting. Yeah. You know, they're right next to Ohio. Shit. That's a great place to be. So I I, I don't know. I, I think I think Moose has to take. I think he has to pull the trigger. I, I just and, and then and then accept that the first year of Scott Frost era might be devo- uh, devastating. It might be a three and three and seven, three and whatever. What would that be? Three and nine type of season because our 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 schedule is brutal, no doubt. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I just. I, I, I obviously, you know, we've talked about before, I like Mike Riley, you know, um, and you look to last year, you know, which was the opposite of what you just described, where we got off to the seven wins, seven and oh, early on. And then we lost to Wisconsin, we lost to Ohio State, and then things spiraled from there. Um, Right. And then I think back to that first year, which AJ was talking about the Illinois game, where, you know, that was the year where we had like those three or four games where we were one play away from winning, you know, and we had all these like, it was almost like we were cursed. We had all these super close losses, you know, that really uh, uh, sunk our season fast. Um, and I just, you know, seeing like the energy that the guys had in the Ohio State game and how Mike Riley just looked kind of defeated. Like, I just don't feel like he's a guy who's going to get us anywhere more than like an eight win season. You know, I feel right. like he's that but, type of coach. But what do you do when he beats Purdue? And then we get to play, uh, we, we go to Minnesota and, and play Minnesota away, 
but we also play Nor Northwestern at home. And let's say we beat those two. Now, yeah. now we're six and four, you know, and we lose to Iowa or whatever. I, I, I mean, the, the, and we lose to Penn, Penn State, State, and we're six and six, six and or six. maybe we're seven and five. I mean, are any of those records when you when you boil it down, are any of those acceptable? And 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 in the traditional sense of Nebraska, the answer is hell no. The, so the question that you asked or that you just stated projection wise in the future what do you see for mike riley if he gets to six and six this year or even seven and five is that still give you a sense that he's going to be the guy that can get us to winning 10 11 12 games and contending for big 10 championships and national championships in the next four or five or six years while he's still a coach is that going to happen right well and the way i look at it is he's got to look at it and realize okay i'll if, if Mike probably gets to seven and six, I'll give him another year. We have our tough schedule next year. It goes badly. Like you say, we're like three or four wins. Then you definitely fire him. But now, you know, who knows what the coaching landscape's like. Maybe it's better. Maybe there's some guy, you know, or maybe, you know, Scott Frost is at Tennessee now and you had your opportunity last year and you missed it, you missed know, it. so he's really – just throwing yeah. the dice if he's going to bet Absolutely. on next year. He's, he's playing chicken with Tennessee at this point. Because the question is, you, you would almost have to reach out to Scott Frost this year and say, Scott Frost, if offered, would you leave UCF to take the Tennessee job? And and if Scott Frost or his representation said, absolutely, we would do that if it was offered, then Nebraska may need to act now. If he instead got the answer that said, no, we really want to give UCF a chance. We'd like to have a couple more years. Then you say, okay, and you, we'll check back later kind of thing. But here's the thing. UCF, this might be their pinnacle year. You know, Next year, Scott might end up being 6-6, six and six, and now the heat is off, and no one wants Scott Frost because he's the guy that couldn't sustain success, and no one wants him. So Scott's got to strike while the iron's hot if I'm Scott Frost. So... I have a feeling Scott Frost can be coaching somewhere other than UCF no matter what next season. If it's not Nebraska, it's going to be Tennessee or somewhere else in the, the Power 5 conference landscape, I'm convinced. So this is our window. If we want Scott Frost, it's got to happen now. Yep. Hey, uh, hey, Alex, I got one more thing to throw at you. Uh, one more stat. In the 25 years of Mike Riley coaching college football, he's had one 10-win season. Wow. 10-plus well, season. No, in all the rest football. of them. In college football. All the rest of them have been nine wins or less right? in 25 right. years. So what's the likelihood that he's going to turn it around and get us to the point where he can win uh, 11 or 12 games and get us to where we want to go, where we've been before? I don't think it's real high, highly likely. Right. Uh, the other thing I wanted to throw out there also that I just remembered uh, reading this morning is that Scott Frost is, is good friends, of course, with an awful lot of ex-Husker players. He's got a couple of ex-Huskers on his coaching staff, if I'm not mistaken. But one of his best friends is his center, Aaron Taylor. And Aaron Taylor came out in his, uh, on his uh, Facebook page and basically said Scott Frost was coming to Nebraska. I actually saw that online as well. I read that. It was talking about uh, how they're having a kid soon and the grandparents would love to have the, the grandchild yes. out yep. in, in, yep. in Nebraska and all that. So, they still live in Lincoln. Yep. Or not in Lincoln, but they still live Lloyd in Nebraska. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, yeah, that's the thing. And, and that's one of his best friends. There's also been uh, a couple of other friends of his that have, that have piped up here recently and uh, made it clear, made it, you know, is coming out saying, yeah, he'll take the job. If he's offered the job, it's his. He'll take it. Yep. So I'm thinking it's there. I'm thinking unless Riley really pulls it really, really, really far well, out of his ass. Yeah, he's got a – which we we saw him beat Michigan, Michigan State, State when they were the number two team right. in the nation. It's just nuts, but we saw it happen. So we know that in college football it can happen. Uh, I You know, if he does that and is – eight and five it'll be just the most amazing thing and we'll have to keep him for another year but but does anybody really think that he's going to get us to where we want to get no i don't think so especially at his age and stuff he had his window of opportunity and he's had three years and it's taken him three years to try to position his staff where he wants it to be and even now with the diaco hire i think there's still some huge question marks of whether or not that was a good hire yeah. Uh, because, but because he does not fit with where college football is going. The great defensive coordinators in college football right now, Michigan's defensive coordinator, you know, Miami's defensive coordinator, um, uh, Clemson, Alabama, all those defensive coordinators. Guess what they all do? They're all super aggressive. Yeah. Uh, where is where is Nebraska's defensive leading? It's leading to a three-four defense, which is designed to be aggressive because you have only three down linemen and and. Four linebackers. Moving the whole idea is yeah. movement yeah. and aggressive and, and yeah. being able to come from play all kinds of different directions. And what do we do? We do a 3-4 and we're passive. Yeah. I mean, that's like that's the, the worst combination, and yet that's what we've hired. Yeah. We've had our guy that has that philosophy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and last thought, I guess, is that, you know, I mean, in other programs, you know, sometimes they'll fire a coach after, you know, one year, two years, you know, with the whole, like, so the whole giving them three years – isn't a universal rule uh, when it comes to coaching and stuff. So if I think if Riley finishes the season six and six, you know, he, he could still be uh, fired uh, potentially if, if, you know, we know that the Scott Frost iron is hot as it were. Uh, if he's seven and five at the end of the season, if he only loses to Penn state, I find a really hard to, a scenario where Bill Moose could justify firing him there. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of agree with you there. Uh, unless it's already decided now, and maybe we he knows that, but we don't, right? And that would be the other thing. But but you're right, Alex. If he if he were able to find a way to win every game except Penn State, it would be hard for uh, for the national media and everyone outside of that athletic department uh, or Nebraska fans who are already decided that they want somebody other than Mike Mike Riley. Th- those would be the only people that be, would agree with a firing at that point. Mm-hmm. So you, you would run the risk of, of another alienation situation. So I totally agree with you. Yep. But it's been a long podcast, but a great 50th podcast, Alex. Do you realize we've been doing this 50 times we've done this now? I know. Well, it's weird to think, yeah, we've been doing it for over two years. You know, we started out when I graduated and all that. So, yep. yeah, it's, it's a big and, milestone. And most, of them, and most of them, while you're in L.A. and I was in Traverse City, and now I'm traveling all over the country, and by golly, with technology, we're still doing it. <laughs> That's right, man. We're making it happen. Uh, That's right. So I want to thank all the listeners out there for listening to this special 50th episode. We hope you'll be listening for 50 more as time goes on. 
Uh, we're going to be coming back next week, most likely, to talk about the Purdue game. I'm going to be traveling, so that will be a little weird, but we'll figure it out. Um, and big thanks to AJ for being our special guest. We knew we wanted to do something big for this 50th episode, so thank you for joining us. You bet. You bet. Thank you for having me. No problem. And uh, so if you enjoyed this podcast out there, you can email us at huskerpete 13 at gmail.com. You can find us online at collegefootballthrowdown.podomatic.com. You can find us on iTunes as well. You can leave a comment on Podomatic's uh, website like AJ does from time to time. Uh, or leave us uh, reviews and ratings on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the podcast, what, what we can improve on, all that fun stuff. Hey, 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 Alex, how do you find us on iTunes? If they type in college football throwdown, they'll find it. That's right. College football throwdown. Uh-huh. That's Brandon for you right there. There you go. All right. And so until next time, go Big Red. Go Big Red!